Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. coming today really appreciate it thanks for coming you don't understand how much it means to us to have you here and if this is your first time uh, then uh, you might not be used to all the ruckus and all the noise but if there's two things we love to do here at journey church the first is get excited about Jesus and the second is to get excited about what he's doing in our lives and I want to share with you a quick story nine weeks ago we did a, a, a sermon series called don't hold back how many people remember that sermon series and we made a huge financial commitment so many people in this room sold cars so many people put vacations on hold to give God the very best above and beyond their tithes and and I'm excited to celebrate with you that because of your sacrifice already we're only in the fourth week of January we already have over 30 people who've made a decision to follow Jesus how about that come on and it's not just what Jesus it's not just how Jesus is using your generosity it's not just how it's flowing through you but it's also what God's doing in you and to you. And I want to share with you a quick story of a young woman at our church. Her name is Glenda Lee. And uh, she took this step of faith uh, to, to be generous. And it's amazing what God did in her life. So I want you to fix your eyes on this truth with the rest of us today. Hi, I'm Glenda Lee, and I've been going to Journey Church for about a year and a half now, and I'm a single mom. When I had her, that was love at first sight for me, and she was just this perfect little human being. <laughs> it was, you know, you go through so many emotions, and see her and hold her and, and love her and care for her, it's just an amazing, amazing feeling. Well, going through my divorce, I hit rock bottom, and that was basically the darkest moment of my life. I didn't know what I was gonna do in life. At that point, you know, my then husband was basically in charge of everything in, within our marriage, and I didn't have a voice in our marriage. And so when I eventually realized that I did have a voice and I, and I could be my own person, you know, it affected our marriage and it affected our daughter. You know, just getting to being depressed and being in those moments of darkness where, you know, in my case, I wanted to take my life. You know, there, there, there was that moment and there was those moments of being in your family, sitting on the sofas and having conversations where you're physically there, but you're really not there. That was my life for a, for a while when I wanted to take my life in that moment, I know God allowed my daughter's face to come into my head. And I was able to kind of snap out of it and realize that if I was to make that certain decision to take my life away, it would affect not only my daughter, but so many other people. I realized at that point that God knew I needed a different type of saving in my life and that's why he gave me my daughter in that season of my life. 
that was pretty, the, pretty much the darkest moment I've, I've, I've had in my life. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, honestly, I was only making $300 a week, you know, and um, then eventually when I started to realize I had to do what I needed to do um, to be, and, and basically be more independent, I became full-time, I moved in with my parents um, for about a year and I decided, well, I'm gonna save as much as I can and um, eventually just try to do this on my own. Um, my brother, who knew Pastor JJ, this pastor, he's opening a new church and I went, really enjoyed it, really loved it. Um, it's almost as if he always touches on some part every single week as in what you're going through. It's like, oh, okay, that message was for me, you know, and, and um, I, I, I enjoy that. I really do. My daughter enjoys the Journey Kids and, and things like that. And so I actually got rebaptized. I've met so many new people just over the course of some small groups that I've been in recently. And it's been great. It's been an amazing journey. Personally, just work, work is a very stressful, you know, environment. You know, just a couple months ago, they did a massive layoff and, um, Going through that, just as a single mom, you know, you have responsibilities of, you know, the mortgage and, and paying your phone and the internet and electricity and water and, you know, all of that adds up. And then you have, you know, in my case, I have an eight-year-old who is eight going on 18 and wants this and that. And it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. And, you know, I'm, that whole paycheck to paycheck thing is, has, has been a constant unfortunately, in my life. And, you know, I've just kind of been praying and during the, the whole Don't Hold Back series, um, you know, I was just kind of like, I wanted to be a part of something great, but I didn't know how. And, um, you know, I know financially it wasn't easy, but I still felt in my heart I needed to do something um, and be being a part of something great with Journey. And, um, like I said, I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I felt like well, I didn't know how I was going to get a house, but it happened. You know, I didn't know I was going to be able to pay off my car, but it happened. I didn't know I was going to be able to get an amazing job, but knowing that I didn't know how any of that happened, I still felt like even though I don't know how <laughs> I'll be able to make, you know, this happen with the, the whole Don't Hold Back series, I still wanted to be a part of it. And I just knew that God was going to do something great. And so um, a couple weeks ago, um, I was called into HR department and, um, you know, you still in the back of your head are kind of like, well, they just laid off a bunch of people, you know, I'm, I've only been with the company for a year, a year and a, a month or so, why am I being called in? And so um, she calls me in and tells me that my boss thinks I'm doing an amazing job basically gives me confidence in, in what I'm doing, you know, and says, he's really happy with you. You know, he likes the fact that you you do this and this and this and, you know, things like that. You own up to your mistakes, which is important, things like that. And um, he wants to give you um, a 5% raise. And like, my heart kind of dropped when she said that. And I was in total shock. And I mean, I didn't know what to do but cry, you know, because you think, God is always
always making moves, you know? And it's like, it's like that. I've never played chess, but I know you gotta move places, you know, pieces. And I feel like, you know, we're those pieces in the chess and God is just, just making those moves for you. And that was that moment for me where I was like, wow. That was my confirmation that God is with me. And so it was a huge moment for me. And I walked out of the office and I couldn't do anything else but just thank God and praise God and be grateful for. I just knew like even, you know, during that moment when I had the card and I was gonna take it up front to the altar with, with that number and, you know, shaking and literally like, you know, I, I took that step of faith and, and I put that card in. and. Like I said, I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but I know you will somehow figure it out for me. And then that happens. It's, it's just amazing. You know, you just sometimes we're, we're, there's so many people in this world and you, you just think you're just that, you know, that one person who isn't really that important. But then God does what he does. And, and then you have that moment of like clarity where you're like, wow, God, you're amazing. Like. I would have never thought that that would happen for me, and, and, and it did. So now it's like, I'm able to provide not only for my daughter, but I'm able to stay committed for those two years with that commitment that I genuinely wanted to do from the bottom of my heart, and now I know I can. You know, and maybe for some people, 5% is just, you know, is nothing, but for me, it's, it's a big deal. You know, for me, it's like, a, any dollar counts, you know, and, and it's amazing how beautiful our God is. Well, I'll give it up for answer prayers and for people who are willing to take steps of faith. What I love about Glendalee's story is that it doesn't just speak to the power of generosity, which thank you so much for all those who are taking those steps and don't hold back. It also speaks to the power of groups, the power of community. And today is small group sign-up day, and I'd like to uh, preach a message that I believe is going to encourage you. We are in part four of a sermon series we are calling This Time Next Year. And this is a sermon series we're preaching in 2020, but it's about 2021. It's about the breakthrough we want to see in our lives a year from now, the change and the transformation we want to see in our lives a year from now. And so uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 9, verses 19 through 25. If you don't have a Bible, that is no problem. We got a Sky Bible. Pastor Scotty called it that last Sunday. Behind me, and you can follow along with us. It goes like this. We have then, my friends, complete freedom to go into the most holy place by means of the death of Jesus. He opened for us a new way. Somebody say way. A living way. Somebody say way. Through the curtain that is through his own body. We have a great priest in charge of the house of God. If you're new to this whole Jesus thing, let me try and summarize to you, for you, what we believe about Jesus. We believe that Jesus makes a way. We believe that when there is no way, he makes a way. He makes a way to the Father. He makes a way to have a relationship with God. He makes a way in your life. And here comes verse 22. So let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith, with hearts that have been purified from a guilty conscience and with bodies washed with clean, with clean water. Let us hold on firmly to the hope we profess because we can trust God to keep his promise. Let us be concerned for one another to help one another to show love and to do good. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see that the day of the Lord is coming nearer. Here's my title of the day. Repeat after me. This time next year, I will let us. Mmm, it's a goodie. I can tell by your lack of enthusiasm, you don't get it. It's only two words, five letters, two syllables. But if you catch the 
immensity of that phrase, let us, I think it'll change your life. You know, us is not a very popular world in our society today. Uh, we much more prefer the words uh, me, uh, myself, uh, I, us, not so much. I learned this during my time as a university professor. It was always a dream of mine to be a university professor until I became a university professor. <laughs> At that point, I was like, I'm going to plant a church. It's got to be easier than this. And I'll tell you why the reason why I became a professor was because I love teaching. But then I quickly realized it wasn't for me because I hate grading papers. Now, I should have known that when I became a professor that grading papers was a part of the profession. But I was so enamored with the idea of teaching and discipling that I kind of just let it go until I figured out a way that I can get by, that I can cheat the system when it came to grading papers. And it's two words. Saved my life as a professor because I signed a two-year contract. So I was in. And those two words were group project. <laughs> let me tell you right now, group project saved my career. We would have 30 students, and I'd be like, all right, break up into five groups of six. <laughs> we'd just have group, we had a big, we had a small class, class of 10, I'm like, one group of 10. We <laughs> group project, everybody's in on this, and then you only had a grade at once, you know? And, uh, and now raise your hand if you, if you love group projects. Come on, you love group projects, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you hate group projects. There's all the smart people right there. All the smart people hate group projects. All the smart people know we dumb people leaning on you to help us get through the group project. All the dumb people are like, we love group projects. Group projects are my favorite. Just sign my name on the end of that thing. And uh, one day after class, we had a smart girl come up to me, real smart. She caught on. <laughs> She's like, uh, Professor JJ, uh, I can't help but notice that all of your assignments our group projects. And so in that moment, I needed to provide a spiritual answer that would mask my selfishness. This was a Christian school. And so my answer was, that's because life is a group project. Come on, somebody. Life is a group project. Hey, I didn't believe it then, but I believe it now. More than ever in my life do I believe that life is a group project. Let me tell you something about us. Us is not my idea. Us is God's plan. When God created Adam in the beginning of the earth, it was just Adam. And right when he made Adam, you know what he said? He said, it's not good for man to be alone. Which is interesting to me because if you think about it, he wasn't alone. Adam had two things in his life that shouldn't have made him alone. He had the animals who were his friends and he had God who was his friend. Yet even with the animals and even with God, God said he's alone. And here's why he was alone. Because even though he had the animals as his friends, the animals were not on his level. That's a word for some dog mom out there that swears your puppy is a child. Let me tell you something about Liz. Liz we have a dog named Blue. Liz will have full-on conversations with Blue. She'll, she'll come home. She'll be like, so how was your day? Did you play nice? Are you enjoying your medicine? Do you like your food? And this is what Blue does every single time Liz talks to him. Every single time. He goes like this. He goes. As if to say, lady, I don't speak English. <laughs> why are you talking to me? I don't, feed me. I don't really love you anyway. You just, you put food in the bowl. That's why I'm here. This is why I have not run away. I'm not really happy to see you. I've been locked up for eight hours and now I have freedom. That's really what it is. This is why I'm barking. Just feed me. They're friendly and they can keep you warm at night, but animals are not on your level. Same with God. God was there. He was a friend, but God was not on Adam's level. How many of you know God's not on your level? 
He's on a different level. I can imagine Adam coming home from work. Adam's job back in the day was naming the animals. That'd been a cool job. That's a giraffe. That's an elephant. That's a hippo. That one flies. Call it a fly. It's great. So that one. It's going from animal to animal. And then he comes home from work and he, he meets down with God and he goes, God, whoo, long day. I spoke like 30,000 words. I only got to name like 30,000 animals. There's still like a million left. But, but I'm sure you know what that's like. And God's like, not really. I actually spoke one word and all animals came into existence. So, sorry, don't know what it's like to be tired. Don't know what it's like to be exhausted. Don't know what it's like to have difficult. What is difficult? I don't even know what that means. I can't relate. Sorry, I'm not on your level. Here's why I mentioned this. Some of you guys are feeling alone right now, and it's not because you don't have friends. It's because you don't have one friend that's on your level. You don't have one friend that shares the trajectory of your life. You don't have one friend that shares your vision. You're trying to get closer to God, you know, they're not. <laughs> You're trying to get right with your family, they're, they're leaving theirs. And because you don't share and because you don't relate, you can have friends, but because you don't have anything in common, because you're not relating, because you're not on the same level, you're growing up and they're not. They're holding you back and you're not feeling the community. This is why God made Eve, not just for procreation reasons, but so that Adam and Eve could have someone to share in the trouble of life with. This is why when Jesus sent out the disciples, he sent them out two by two, not one by one. If I sent them out one by one, they could get more ground covered. But if I sent them out two by two, they'll last longer because you need somebody to share the trials and difficulties of life with. You got to share it. Now, let me tell you, this might sound uh, offensive to you, but community is a commandment. It is what God asks of us. Yet, just like all of his other commandments, you don't have to do it if you don't want to because you have free will. Why? Because us is not just God's plan. Us is a choice. Us is a choice. My pastor used to say this all the time. He said, there's nothing sadder than a person who spends their whole life in a supermarket and dies of starvation. In other words, oftentimes when we complain of the lack of resources around us, it's not the lack of resources that we're complaining about. It's the lack of engagement with the resources that are around us. There are people around us who can make great friends in our life, but just because there's great people around us doesn't mean there'll be great people in our life if we don't engage with it. I had to teach my son this the other day because we were going to prayer and he had his homework to do. And he was like, I can't read my book because I'm tired. And I'm like, this is a great lesson right here. I'm going to just stop. It's not even about the book anymore. We're just going to talk life, Justin. Let's just talk life right now, okay? Here's what, you, here's what you said. I can't read the book right now because I'm tired. But here's what you really meant. I don't want to read the book right now because I'm tired. And Justice, you got to learn the difference between can't and want. Because I know a lot of adults that say can't, but what they really mean is want. And here's why it's important, Justice, because as long as you say can't, I get it. Bro, you're tired? I, I get it. I've had to go to work tired too, but you're conscious. Reading, I know you can read. You don't mean can't. But as long as you say can't, then it's somebody else's fault why you're not doing what you're doing. We pass on the responsibility. My brother didn't let me sleep or this book is too hard. No, you can do it. It's at your level. Let's be honest. You don't want to read it because you're tired. Ah, but the word want is a tough one because want makes me own up to my own responsibility. Want makes me face it on myself. Want makes me acknowledge the fact that I say one thing, but I really do another. So can we just be real right now? I don't ever want to hear you say again, I can't make friends. That's not true. You know what the truth is? You don't want to put in the work to make friends. Come on, somebody. Let's be honest. We can make friends. We just don't want to. It's hard. I get it. You know why? Because us isn't always easy. It's not. And it's not easy for two reasons. Number one, because community requires compromise. 
If I'm waiting for someone who's just like me, who believes what I believe, who is like me in every way, who likes my burgers the same way they like their burger, we got tattoos in the same spot, we watch the same, our favorite bachelor's the same favorite bachelor, and all this stuff. If, if we do, if we wait for that person to be a friend with, we will never find that person, because let me tell you something about you, there's no one like you. Unless you're willing to compromise a bit, you'll never have a friend if you're looking for somebody who's got everything exactly like you. And here's the second reason why us isn't always easy, because of something that I call, listen, somewhere along our lives, we, we met some bad bodies. Met some bad bodies. Like, like when we're young, when we're kids, hey, we'll make friends with anybody. How many people know that? Do you remember how easy it was to make a friend when you were a kid? Man, and if you've forgotten, just go to a Chick-fil-A and check out the kids playing in the playground. Now, let me clarify. If your kids are the ones playing in the, don't just go to Chick-fil-A and check out the kids. But if you got kids <laughs> and you take them to Chick-fil-A, go watch your kids. Man, they will make friends with anybody. Am I right about it? They don't care who they voted for in the last election. They don't care the color of their skin. They don't care religion. They're, hey, can you throw that ball? But we're friends. Let's go. You throw it, I'll catch it. We're buddies. The other day, Zane came out of Chick-fil-A, and he was like, Dad, that's my friend. I was like, what's his name? Like, I don't know. Like, that's not your friend. <laughs> you don't know that boy. He could be a drug dealer for all you know. Get out of here. Let's go. <laughs> Get out of here. What are you doing? Friends. Right? Why do we say things like that? Because we're jaded. You know why? Because we know that if we let anybody in, eventually anybody will hurt us. And so we try and teach our kids how to put filters on their friendships. But what happens when someone hurts us is we go from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. So at first the problem was anybody. But now that anybody hurt us, we go to the other side. We go, no, no, nobody. I'm not going to let anybody in. And that's a problem when you don't let nobody in because two things stop happening the moment that you stop letting people in. Number one, you stop growing. How many people have heard it say, it's not what you know, it's everything I know. The reason why I'm here today able to preach this message and plant this church and be the husband is because of the people that I know. I know a man named Freddie Vasquez who taught me how to be a good father. I know a guy named Bert Pizarro who told me how to be a good preacher. I know a guy named Mark Vega who told me how to be a good evangelist. A pastor named Nino Gonzalez who taught me how to be a good pastor. I am only here because of the people in my life who helped me get here. You know why you're not getting to grow? Because you stopped getting to know. Because it's the relationships in your life that dictate where you go. That's why it's so easy to grow as a kid and so easy to grow as a teenager. And it's somewhere around 30. <laughs> You're like, I can't remember the last time I grew. Because we stopped letting people in. You know, the other thing that happens when we stop letting people in, we, we lose the ability to feel love. The other day, I was reading a devotional with my sons. Both of them, we do this Bible devotional. And I knew it was going to be a trouble because I saw at the bottom of the Bible, it was, it was, a, it was a devotional on drugs. And I was like, he's six, he's seven, I don't know if I'm ready. And so we got there, and I just, you know how parents do, like, we just try to read over the part we don't want to do real fast. So I was like, I was like, yes, and then there's drugs, but Jesus loves us. And then Justice with the quickness, or Zane with the quickness, he was like, what's drugs? I was like, oh, here we go. Like, how do you even explain drugs? I'm like, I mean, some drugs are good, like Advil, Tylenol, Pepto-Bismol, it's like, uh... Other drugs are bad, you know, like alcohol and, and, and smoking. And then I'm like, do I even go into weed? Just smoking stuff, you know. And some people shoot stuff and the needles and this, that stuff. And I'm just going, I don't even know if I'm doing it right. You know, I'm just like, and, and drugs are bad, son. Drugs are, we try to avoid drugs if we can. And so we don't, we don't do them. And then, and then Justice is like, mm-hmm, got it, got it. Have you ever did drugs, daddy? <laughs> <laughs> At which point I'm like, bedtime! <laughs> Bed 
time. Let's go. And I was like, I mean, I guess if we're ever going to do it, let's do it now. So, so I went through my history with drugs and alcohol, and I shared it with him. And, and they got real specific with these questions. Let me tell you what. And uh, I just tried to keep answering. And, my, and then I guess after I started answering them, Justice felt convicted. So he was like, Dad. I was like, what? He's like, I've tried beer before. I'm like, seven. So I'm like, you didn't try beer before. He goes, I did. I said, where? He said, Grandpa's house. So now I'm looking, because my father-in-law is crazy, but he ain't that crazy. And so I'm looking at him. I'm starting to put the pieces together. I'm like, do you mean root beer? He goes, yeah. I go, no, that's good. That's good. You're fine. Root beer is fine. Root beer is not a sin. You're good. He goes, okay, good, good, good. I was just, because I really liked it. I was like, it's okay. You're good. And, uh. And here's why I share that story. Because at the end of that story, I got the biggest hug from my boys I can remember ever getting in my life. And here's why I think I got it. Because for the first time in their life, I think they felt like they really knew me. You will never fully feel loved if someone doesn't fully know you. Because in the back of your mind, you'll always wonder, do they love the projected version of me that I'm putting out or do they love the real me? And as long as there is a part of your life that is isolated, there will always be a part of your heart that feels isolated. God is out there. Maybe they'll leave me. Maybe they will. But what's better, being in love with somebody who knows everything about you or wondering your whole life if you're a fraud, if it's all fake, if you've been pretending. That's why secrets and relationships don't work. We'll talk about that later. And so this is why you got to give up on nobody because this is what happens once you give up on nobody. You say, you you know what, nobody, nobody. Guess what happens? All of a sudden you write off everybody. And in this stage of it, you start writing off entire institutions. Like, you come to church, and because anybody hurts you, now you give it up on nobody, now you're writing off everybody, you come into church, and the moment you come in, you're all. <laughs> hypocrite. <laughs> hypocrite, 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 hypocrite. He's a hypocrite, she's a hypocrite. All y'all hypocrites. <laughs> Which is funny to me, because you don't know nobody, but, you yet, but yet you're writing off everybody. Because when anybody church hurts you, now all churches are bad. Now I'm going to give up church on an institution. I'm going to give up on all. No, that's not how it goes. Listen, let me help you. you. You met a bad body, but here's the solution to a bad body. You need to find a better body. And the answer isn't everybody, nobody, or anybody. The answer is, come on, somebody. And here's the difference between somebody, everybody, anybody, and nobody. Somebody's intentional. Somebody says, I don't need a friend, I need the right friend. I don't need a church, I need the right church. I don't need a group, I need the right group. I'm not giving up on this whole thing as relationships. I want to commit to the discovery of finding the right person, the right relationship, the right communities. I just need somebody. Can I get somebody to say amen? I just need somebody. And if you don't want to say, I got my mom in the front row. I don't need everybody, I just need somebody. And that's what this whole small group thing is about. That's what this sermon is about. It's our, it's our trying to help you find that right person. And in this passage, we got five let us's that I believe define what, what you need to be looking for in a community. And I've got 11 minutes and I got five of them. <laughs> so either I'm going to cut some off or I'm going to go over. You tell me. 
All right, you said it. <laughs> There's 10 people in the back like, I did not agree <laughs> to that at all. The first was, he said this in verse 22, he said, let us come near to God. Let us come near. You know, what, uh, know a great way to filter your friends? Do your friends draw you near to God or draw you away? That's a great way to start off the filter. Now, let me tell you very quickly, I'm not saying that you can't have friends that aren't Christians. I didn't say that. You know why I'm not saying that? Because Jesus had friends who weren't Christians. The only difference is the way Jesus managed his relationships and the way we manage our relationships. Jesus had friends that weren't Christians, but they let him in. He didn't let them in. They were, he was rubbing off on them. They weren't rubbing off on him. You see, when, when Jesus came up to Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who was robbing people, Jesus didn't come up to Zacchaeus, and he was like, yo, I see what you got going on here. This is a good day. I said, you robbing people like two, three, four times their taxes? Yo, cut me in on that. I'm trying to start a church. Come on, yo, tithe a little bit of that. Let me start a church. I'll talk to the big man upstairs. You'll be good. No, instead it was the opposite. It was Zacchaeus who went to Jesus and said, Jesus, forget my life. I want your life. And so half of all my possessions, I'm going to sell it to the poor. If I robbed anything from anybody, then I'm going to get it back four times. It was Jesus who was rubbing off on him. Listen, having friends that, uh, that, that, that don't believe what you believe is not a problem. The problem is when you follow them on social media and you see them just enjoying life at the club and it makes you wish you weren't married. That's when it becomes an issue. Having friends that don't go to church ain't a problem. The problem is when you're at church and you open up Instagram and you see your boy at the beach on a Sunday and you go, I hate church. I could be at the beach right now. Why y'all said go over? I want to go home. <laughs> hey, hey, following influencers on social media is not the problem. If they inspire you by their hustle or they inspire you by the level of their fitness, that's good. Keep following those people. But when they do, you know, Instagram lives from the inside of their walk-in refrigerator <laughs> and then you go home to your little two-level fridge that don't even make ice <laughs> and all of a sudden you start feeling like, you know, I had a passion for God, but now I feel like I'm having a passion more for material things and your passion for material things begins to supersede your passion for the spiritual and you used to care about God, but now you care more about gold than you do God. This is when it becomes a problem. Not when they're in your life, but when they start getting in your life. You ought not look at their life and go, man, I wish I had it. You ought to live your life in such a way that everybody looks at your life and says, man, I want the joy you got. I want the peace you got. I want the happiness you got. I want the fire you got. I want the smile you got. I want that. I want that. Man, I don't know if you saw this thing. I saw Lecrae. He's a Christian rapper. He put on Twitter recently. He said, somebody explained to me why you would spend as much on a Peloton bike than you would a used car. I don't know if y'all know about Peloton. You know about Peloton? This is a $2,500 exercise bike. Let me put it another way. $2,500 for a bike that don't move. <laughs> kidding me right now? I went into the comments. He said, and, and there was hundreds and hundreds because he got like a million followers. And I looked up there and I was like, I'm like, what is the answer? What is the answer? And then somebody wrote there. He said, he said this on, on the answer. They said, they're not paying for a bike. They're paying for the community. Because there's somebody who was trying to get fit in January that lost their fire in March. But when you get connected to a community and you get around people who are passionate about the things that you're passionate about, then all of a sudden they keep your passion going. They feed into your passion. They feed into it. Listen, the things of God, we're naturally going to become less passionate over time unless you get around some people who share that passion, that share that fire. All of a sudden their fire gets on you and all of a sudden your fire gets on them and you feed each other. If I take a piece of coal and I put it out of the barbecue and I put it on the floor, you know, that barbecue will stay burning, but that coal in a about five minutes will burn out because it was isolated. But if I take it and I put it back on the barbecue, guess what happens? It burns right back up again. 
They got, you got to get around them so they can keep your passion going. The next one was, let us hold on. Hold on. You know what you need? You need some this time next year, friends. You need some friends that are not intimidated by your present circumstance that will talk to you in the middle of your problems and say, you know what? I get you going through it and my heart breaks. But by this time next year, I believe you're going to be a different person. By this time next year, I believe your situation is going to change. By this time next year, I believe your finances will be different. By this time next year, I believe your marriage is going to be restored. You need people in your life like that. But listen, having people in your life like that won't matter if you don't let them encourage you. You got to let us Hold on. You got to let it. Have you ever had a friend that just refuses to be encouraged? No matter how hard you try, like you'll take time out of your busy day. You will go somewhere. You will call them. You will make sure. And you'll be like, hey, how are you going through? I just want you to know. No advice. I'm, just, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And then they'll be like, I don't care if you're here. For, it's not even about you. It's about God. Is God here for me? That's what I want to know. And you're like, ooh. <laughs> and then you go. And then you go, my bad. I was just trying to. But you know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. It is about God. You know what? But I want you to know, God is here for you too. And then they'll ask, and then they'll be like, why you always got to get spiritual and religious? It ain't about God. All I need is somebody who's here for me. (laughs) But I tried that a second ago. Can we make it even more real? Have you ever been that person that's refused to be encouraged? (laughs) Try complimenting me after this service. Great sermon. I'll be like, hmm. I just learned not to let it in. I just, you know, because you give someone the key to encourage you, you also give them the key to discourage you. So it gets hard sometimes to know who to let in and who to let out, you know? But sometimes you got to let it. Sometimes you got to let it get in. I know you've probably heard this story before. Forgive me if you have. It's an oldie, but a goodie. There was this man who, there was a flood that hit his house. And to survive the flood, he climbed to the top of his house and the rain started rising. But he was a man of faith. And so he prayed. He said, God, I believe in your word. I'm a man of faith. I believe you're going to save me. God save me. And so a rowboat came by. And the rowboat, the guy threw a rope to the man who was on top of the building and said, hold on. Let me take you to safety. And the man on top of the, of the uh, house said, no, thank you. God will save me. The rowboat said, okay. Went away. Next, a motorboat came. The motorboat came, saw the man, threw a rope on top of the house and said, hey, hold on. Let me pull you to safety. And the man said, no, thank you. God will save me. Finally, the heavens opened up. The man thought this was his moment. God had sent angels to lift him up from the miry clay. But as the clouds cleared, it was a helicopter. (laughs) And the assistant in the helicopter dropped the rope and said, hold on. Let me save you. And the man said, no, thank you. God will save me. Well, the helicopter went away, and those floodwaters rose, and eventually the man drowned. When he went to heaven, he talked with God, and he said, God, I don't understand. I followed every precept in your Bible. I was nice to the poor. I did everything good. I worshiped, and I had faith. I know I had faith. I prayed, God, why didn't you save me? And God said, I sent you a rowboat, a motorboat, and a helicopter. What more do you want? (laughs) Hear me. This is a word for somebody. Don't drown in your despair. God says, I sent you friends. I sent you family. I sent you worship. I sent you a sermon. I sent you the Bible. I sent you podcasts. It's not that it's not there. It's that you never held on. Hey, don't, don't hush your mom. The next time she sends you a text talking about, I love you, baby. I love you and I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the man. I'm proud of the woman you're becoming. Don't you write back to go, well, you just have to say that because you're my mom. No, she doesn't. I know a lot of mean moms. You better hold on. You better let her encouragement pull you up. You better let her encouragement give you strength. Wives, hear me, wives. Don't be brushing off your husband the next time he tells you you're beautiful. 
Well, you got to say that. You're just my husband. You're trying to get some. That's all you're trying to do. I don't even receive that. I don't even receive that. Beautiful. You're just trying to get some. Listen, if that's all he wanted to do, let me tell you right now, he got an iPhone and he got a laptop with internet connection. If he's trying to get some, he has a little place to get it. Let him lift you up. Let him encourage you. Hold on to that word. He means it. He says you're beautiful. He means it. Don't attach a narrative to it. Come on. Hey, when I'm preaching, you better say amen. And not because I'm afraid of a quiet church, although God help me if I pass through a quiet church. It's because when you say amen, you are saying, that's for me. I agree. So when a word comes from this pulpit out into those seats, when a promise comes from this microphone to those seats, when a blessing comes from this place to there, you better hold on. Amen. That's for me. And you stand up and you lift your hand and you do, that's my word. I needed it. I needed it to lift me up. You got a Bible full of encouragement and strength and blessings and promises. Just grab one and hold on. But you got to let it do its thing. Verse 24 said, let us be concerned with one another. Be concerned. I'll share a quick story. I love my sister to death. You talk about this time next year, this time last year. My sister's life was in a completely different place. She came to this service right here, the last Sunday of 21 days of prayer and fasting, broken in tears, and that was the day she gave her life to Jesus Christ. Fast forward this time next year, now she's leading a freedom small group for people. It's amazing to see what God's done in her life. And you know why God did it? Because of the small group that she became a part of. She told me, she goes, JJ, your preaching's all right. She said, but them small groups. Matter of fact, she had a birthday party. And at this birthday party, all the people, all the girls and guys from her small group, girls came to her house to throw her a birthday party for her baby. And, and, and then they bought her diapers for the, her unborn child, who was just born a couple weeks ago. And she called me on the phone after that. And she was tears in her eyes. She said, JJ, she said, I have friends. I broke my heart. Because when she gave her life to Jesus, I'm going to be honest, I was concerned. Because I've seen Vicky make the decision and I've seen her go back and I was, I, I can't be the only one. If it's just me trying to help her, I know I'm going to fail. But then when I heard that testimony, I go, oh my God, look at the church that we've built. I'm not just concerned for her anymore. There's a community of people who are concerned for her too. And it's all of our concernings. Listen, there are people in this church who need to be concerned for. They feel like there's nobody there for them. And it just takes one person. It just takes somebody. Just somebody who shows that they're concerned. It'll change their life. Verse 25, it says this. It says, let us not give up. What a great word. Let us not give up meeting together. Ooh, yeah. Let us not give up meeting together. You know, we come to church. There's 52 Sundays in a year. We got small group. A semester is only 10 weeks. It starts this week. I'm not saying you got to be here all the time. I know you got a family. You got a life. Hey, October 25th, I'm not here. The week before or the week after. You know why? Because that's my anniversary. Family's a priority. I get it. But if you can be at church, you need to be at church. If you can be at small group, you need to be at small group. Here's why. Because it's not what you do that makes the difference. It's what you do consistently that makes the difference. Don't be that person who does one sit-up at the gym and then goes at the mirror to find an ab. I'm talking about, you seen that person? Just one sit-up. And they're like, it should be there. What? Don't be that person who eats one salad and then goes check their blood cholesterol. And it's like, I don't understand. I did, I did it without dressing. I should have dropped at least 30 points. I should have dropped at least 30 points. Nah, homie. It's not what you do that makes a difference. 
It's what you do consistently. So you can't come to church one Sunday and be like, Jesus changed my life. He's like, uh. You got to keep coming. You can't come to small group one time and be like, ah, I wasn't feeling it. You got to keep coming. You got to let God do the work in your life. And if you miss a Sunday, and if you miss a small group, here's my hope that your small group, that somebody here at church would blow up your phone. Not because we want to make you feel bad. This is never a church where we want to imply guilt, but because we don't want you to give up. Now, let me tell you something about the devil's strategy. The devil's strategy is to isolate you. You need to know this. It's to get you alone. I can always tell when people in my church are going through things. You know why? I don't see them anymore. Because the devil will hit you hard, and then the first thing, I'm going to sleep in. I'm not going to go to church today. I'm not going to go to group today. Don't fall for that, guys. That's his strategy. You know, the Bible says that he is a roaring lion. And, you know, looking to devour. The Bible says the devil is a roaring lion looking to devour someone. One. If he can get you alone, he can devour you. You know what the lion's number one prey is in the Sahara? I think it's the Sahara. I mess it up all the time. Pride Rock. You know what the lion's, you know the lion's number one prey is in Pride Rock? A zebra. And I love that analogy. I love that metaphor. I love that picture, how God speaks to us in that. Because a zebra doesn't, at first glance, look like it has a natural defense system. I mean, the zebra is black and white with a background that is green and brown. Have you ever thought about this? You could spot a zebra a mile away because they stick out. I'm like, God, you messed up with the zebras. I think this is why we have a problem. I think this is why they're in danger. You're probably not, but we can see them. The lion's going to get them. If I was making a zebra, I'd have made it green. I'd have made it green and brown. You know, camouflage colors. Until you find this out about the zebra, the zebra can only see in black and white only see in black and white. So by itself, a zebra sticks out. But if you put one zebra next to another zebra, next to another zebra, next to another zebra, next to another zebra, I'm gonna keep doing it, next to another zebra, next to another zebra, next to another zebra, next to another zebra, because the lion can only see in black and white, and because of the exact stripe pattern on the bodies of the zebra, the lion doesn't know when one zebra ends and another zebra starts. In other words, it looks like one giant zebra. And the lion goes, nah, chill. I could take out one of them, but that's a big boy. That's a big boy. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. The devil wants to get you alone, but something happens when we come together. See, there's another word that God uses to describe us. He says that we are a part of the body of Christ. Now, this is going to get a little weird, so come back next week. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to put your hands on the shoulders of the people to your left and to your right. Would you do that very quickly? Shoulders on left and right. All right. Now look at me, now look at me, now look at me, now look at me, now look at me. Up here, eyes up here, eyes up here, eyes up here. Listen to me, listen to me very carefully. God, help me show it to him like you showed it to me. When you're alone, the devil will get you. But when you start touching, when you start getting connected, remember I said that the devil doesn't know where one zebra ends and one zebra starts. Listen, the Bible says that when we come together as parts, we come together as parts of the body of, so alone you're you and I can take you out. But when we start linking up, We start looking like the body of Christ. We start looking like Jesus. And here's what the devil says. I can take you out. 
but I can't take out Jesus. And this looks like Jesus. This looks like Jesus. This looks like Jesus. I can't fight Jesus. I can fight you, but he beat me. I can take you out, but he beat me. If it was just you, I'd kill you, says the devil. But this looks like Jesus. Jesus beat me in three days. Uh -uh, uh -uh, uh -uh. I gotta go, I gotta go. And what sends the devil running from your family? What sends the devil running from your finances? What sends the devil running? Is this right here? He goes, I can't take on that body. That body reminds me of somebody. He gets flashbacks. Ooh. That looks like. That looks like something. That looks like something. That reminds me of something. That reminds me of something. I can take you out by yourself, but when we start linking arms, when we start believing in one another, when we start speaking life into another, when we let us, when we let us, the devil's like, nah, I don't have an answer for Jesus. I got an answer for Josh. Come at me, Josh. I got an answer. But I don't got an answer for Jesus. This is why you need community in your life. Listen, stay standing. Practical steps. I really need you to get into a group this semester. I need to rephrase. You really need to get into a group this semester. And we don't have a lot. We need, we, we don't have, we have more people than we have groups. We need more group leaders. But get in there. Once they fill up, they fill up. Get in there. Get in the community. You can go on journeyallout.com forward slash groups when you leave. Or if you go to the blue tent, we got two iPads. We can sign you up right here, right now. We got two iPads at the blue tent. Just do it, do it, do it, because you need them. You need them in your life. Amen. I want to sing the first verse, the second verse of this song because it has to do with community. And I, and I just believe it's a, it's a word for our church and a word for the world and what's gonna heal the world is unity, coming together. We don't all agree on everything, but we can come together. People, come on, let's sing it, people. People, come on. Come together. Ooh. Strange as neighbors. Come on. Jesus, he's the one, he's the one. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.